The reality is that there is not a, a vaccine that is ever going to protect you from problems. There is not now, nor will there ever be, some sort of immunity from stress. Now, we might have different, different things that trigger us, that, that cause us trouble, stress, hardship. But the reality is, is this, from the day of our birth until our last day on earth, trouble will trail us. You know that, I know that. And the truth is that we all have different ways of handling that trouble, of dealing with it. A lot of those ways are, are healthy ways. To kind of cope with stress or to counter those effects, you might clear your head by going out for a, a jog or going to the gym to work out. Maybe your way to decompress or escape is to socialize, to get together with friends and just kind of forget about some things for a while, or to volunteer or serve this way or, or that way. There are a lot of, a number of healthy ways to escape and to deal with the hardships and, and problems that we all face in life. But you also know that the last 18 months have accelerated and, and really posed additional problems on how we handle and how we deal with these challenges. If your go-to is the gym to decompress and, and release from stress or frustration, you encountered a problem when gyms weren't open. And if you, if you gravitated toward other people, connecting with them to kind of get away or to escape, well, that was limited as well. Not just to gather socially, but functions and events that maybe were an escape for you were suddenly off-limits, not allowed. Now, the sad thing is that, that many people over that time, because they, they weren't able to pursue the healthy ways of, of coping, turned to methods or other approaches that are maybe not so healthy. And over the course of this series, we're going to evaluate, we're going to look at a number of those, those escapes. We might call them coping mechanisms, self-medication, things that are, are, are ways that we deal with the challenges, the hardships, the frustrations in, the life, in life. But, but our takeaway that, that we want is not to, to just be able to assess what's right and wrong, but more importantly, to, to, to find out where we turn for true rest, for, for a very real rest and, and escape that really can only be found in Jesus. Uh, a couple of, of things, uh, just to kind of introduce the series. Um, words of caution, maybe, or discouragement. You might be inclined to write off a series like this. And, and let me discourage you from doing that. Maybe you are inclined to think that, well, this issue that we're talking about this Sunday or next Sunday isn't really a problem for me, and so I can ignore it, I can, can overlook it. But maybe a different way to think about it, if that is your first reaction, if your first response is to think that you don't need it, that may very well be indicative of the fact that you need it. That maybe, maybe you're trying to actually hide something rather than dealing with something, or at least being willing to assess it. The other thing that I, I don't want this series to, to do is to puff up your pride, to say, well, that's not 
legitimately a problem or a concern for me. That's not an issue. And so you walk away feeling better about yourself and, and thumb your nose or look down on others who do struggle, who do pursue these other escapes that are unhealthy or have an unhealthy relationship with them. But instead, let me encourage you to, to listen for two. And what I mean by that is to be open to the possibility that, that this series will help you at least honestly assess whether you have a healthy or maybe an unhealthy relationship with certain substances or things or outlets to which we turn for escape and, and to reevaluate those. But when I say listen for two, it's also to realize the value of listening for the sake of somebody else. Because even if you may not struggle with any of these coping mechanisms, that these may not be the place that you turn to for escape, chances are very good that you know somebody who does. And that this will better equip you, it's our prayer, to be able to support and encourage somebody else that maybe struggles in a way that you don't. Another thing that, that we're going to do and revisit each of the Sundays in this series to kind of help us assess and determine, is my relationship with this or with that, is it, is it healthy, is it okay, is it in a good place, or does it maybe need to be evaluated, are four questions that we'll keep coming back to. And there's no science behind these questions, but these are really questions that I encourage you to ask yourself, to wrestle with, to think through, to help you determine where you stand with these common escapes that the world turns to. And the first question is, can I do without it? Can I live without it? Am I okay without this thing? That's a much better question than trying to evaluate, do I overdo it? Do I, I use or pursue this thing in excess? And, and you know why? Because we're really good at subjectively justifying quantity or amounts. Well, maybe it was a little more this time or a little less, but that doesn't mean that I have a problem. So rather than trying to go back and forth between amounts and, and that being the determining factor, ask yourself the question, can I not use or do this thing for a day, for several days, for weeks, for months? Or do I truly find that I, I need this thing, that I have become attached to it, that I can't function without it? So can I do without it is one question. Another question that we want to ask is, am I comfortable sharing my relationship with this thing with somebody else? Is this a topic that I am totally open and, and comfortable discussing with a brother or sister in Christ? And the reason we want to ask that question is because if the answer is no, again, be aware that that could be indicative that you feel as if there's something you need to hide. That that might be why you're not comfortable sharing it with a brother or sister in Christ. The third question that, that we want to evaluate or, or ask ourselves is, am I avoiding a long-term solution in favor of short-term satisfaction? Is this thing providing me temporary relief but, but isn't solving whatever I'm trying to escape in the long run? And if it is, then we probably ought to reassess it. You think about it this way. If, if you had an issue, if you had a problem with your, your car and you took it into the mechanic and you knew what the problem was, you didn't know how to fix it, but you knew he could take care of it. But when you got your car back from the mechanic and now suddenly there were five more problems, 
you'd say, well, that seems weird. And then you take it into the mechanic again, and then it comes back with more problems. You'd probably at some point say to yourself, maybe this mechanic isn't terribly helpful. Maybe I should find a different mechanic. So in the same way, if I continue to turn to this short-term satisfaction that doesn't provide a long-term solution, if there's not a point where I can actually avoid this thing because I've, I've overcome or gotten past this trouble or hardship, then maybe it's because you've become attached to that, that thing or that substance or that escape. And then the fourth question we want to ask is, am I looking to something in creation that can only be provided by my creator. Because if you are, be ready to be disappointed. When we place that burden or responsibility of fulfillment or satisfaction or escape on something of this world rather than the one who created this world and the one who has redeemed the world and, and each of us, it's always going to disappoint and let us down. So with those in mind, as we consider the, uh, the escapes that we pursue throughout this series, the other last thing, that I, that I observation or, or point that I want to make is to realize that when we choose unhealthy escapes, recognize that the real danger is there. Not just because they don't help us from whatever we're escaping, but they actually compound the situation. They actually make it worse instead of helping us. The very thing that we thought we were escaping from is actually what foments more problems. So it's not a cocktail that helps me cope, but it's a cocktail that actually causes the issue. If you were out at sea and you noticed somebody from your, your boat or your ship, you looked out and you saw somebody drowning who was barely able to keep their head above water, you would do everything you could to throw them a life preserver. Give them something to cling to so that they would at least have a chance. How ridiculous would it be for you to, to throw them a rope that was tied to a cement block? Not only would that not help their situation, it would actually make it worse. And so I, I want you to think of that as we consider these other escapes that the world offers. They don't put us in a better place, they actually leave us worse off. And one of those is what we saw today described in the verses from Proverbs. I would imagine that anybody who has, has, ever, who has ever enjoyed a, a, an alcoholic beverage, whether intentional or not, knows full well what was being described in these verses from Proverbs. And maybe you're a little bit shocked by it, a little bit surprised at how descriptive this intoxication or drunkenness is from Proverbs. You see, we're used to coming across sins listed in Scripture. There's this account and there's that account of somebody and they did this sin or committed that sin. But rarely do we come across such a vivid, descriptive picture of what that sin looks like as we do here in Proverbs, intoxication. Furthermore, maybe it, it surprises us because it catches us off guard just a little bit, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but when I, I, I read the first couple of, of phrases of these verses, my hand goes up because I can relate to exactly what the proverb is, is stating. In verse 29, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Right? All of our hands go up when we hear those questions. Of course we do. All right, you've got my attention. Now I'm listening, right? And then it goes on, who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? And now I'm 
kind of scratching my head saying, oh, I'm not sure where we're going. Uh, somebody getting beat up, somebody not getting enough sleep, but okay, I can relate to the first, so I'll keep, I'll keep reading, and then we come to it, don't we? In verse 30, those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Ah, and, and, and it kind of just catches me right off guard, doesn't it? Because I would be inclined to say, if you have woe, if you have complaints, if you have strife, I could justify, I could see somebody saying, I, I just want to go out and get a drink. Just to, I just need to relax because I've got a lot going on right now, and, and that's how I relax. But the irony is that this proverb is saying, no, you've got it backwards. Not only is that not going to satisfy you, provide the escape you're looking for, it's actually going to make things worse. The, the, the drink, the, the wine that, that the uh, Proverbs are gazing at, that's what causes the woe, the strife, and the complaints. Now, I, I suppose one of the easiest things to do when we're talking about chemical dependency, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether they're illegal drugs or prescription drugs, we're able to abuse all kinds of, uh, of chemicals and become dependent on them. The easy thing to do would be to say, let's point out how destructive these can be in somebody's life. Don't go down this road because you can lose your job, your marriage can fall apart, your relationships, you might lose your family. Nothing good happens when, when you get to the point of being described like the Proverbs do, where you're to the point of waking up only to say, where's my next drink? And that would be the, the easy out, right? Just to, to make everything black and white, to just prohibit it altogether. Well, the problem is that that doesn't ever really solve anything, does it? It's weird how often we still, even though we know better, we still think that the best solution to any, any problem is simply a matter of somebody not knowing what's right and wrong. If we can just point out this is right, this is wrong, here's the consequences, here's the punishment, a little more fire and brimstone, strike the fear of God because your life's going to fall apart if you turn to this, uh, and so then you'll straighten out. Then you won't turn to, then you won't escape through chemical substances. But the, the problem is that God isn't really as concerned with your outward actions as he is with your attitude, as he is with your heart. So the bigger issue here, if there's going to be real change, if, if this is something we struggle, if this is one of those escapes for us, is not just to tell me right or wrong or threaten or punish if I don't shape up but really to address where is my heart at in this situation. So we come back to those questions that we ask. Can I live without this? Can I do without it? Am I comfortable, confident sharing this struggle or, or my perfectly healthy relationship with drinking and, and anything else, any other chemicals with, with other Christians? Am I at a point where I'd honestly say that I am avoiding long-term solutions in favor of short-term satisfaction? Am I looking to something that is created to provide me that which only my Creator can? But even asking those questions isn't going to bring about the solution. All it's going to do is expose the possibility that maybe, maybe it would be good to reevaluate your relationship with these things. Maybe it isn't entirely healthy. But if anything's going to change, it's not actually the law that's going to bring about that change, it's the good news of the gospel. It's the reminder that just as he has covered and washed away every sin, 
so has Jesus paid for every sin of alcohol and drug abuse as well. It doesn't matter what our, our past has, has shown in, in terms of our relationship or escape turning to these things. It's been washed away and it's forgiven and we are free. We, we aren't bound to those things anymore. While, while narcotics may numb us for a time, Jesus has completely nullified your sin and says that you are now free. Listen to how the Apostle Paul put it when he wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 24. He says, you heard it in our second reading, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Do you notice that Paul states a declarative fact? He doesn't say, if you are a Christian, you ought to crucify these passions and desires for, for drinking or drugs. If you are a Christian, you should do this. You need to do this. He says, this is what has already happened. So just as surely as your Savior was nailed to the cross to pay for your sins, so too were your sinful desires and passions nailed there with him. Now that doesn't mean that we don't struggle against them, but it does mean that they don't own us. That we aren't enslaved by them any longer. That that is the power of forgiveness, to know that I'm actually free not to turn to these things for escape and for this false sense of, of rest or relief that can only be given and provided through Jesus. You're free. You aren't bound. You don't have to make that choice. You aren't a slave to this kind of escape or chemical dependency. And as we grow in our understanding of that, we also have the encouragement from Paul in another letter. He writes to the Ephesians, also in chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Not Spirit, small s, that you'll pick up from a liquor store, but the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. Fill yourself more with Him, and that is your best bet. To counter those desires, those cravings, that escape, that is nothing more than a lie that drugs or, or drink might offer to you. There will never be a, a vaccine that will protect you from problems. There's no guarantee it'll never happen that you are immune from stress. But you do have a guarantee, you do have a promise from Jesus himself just as Paul reminded us, your sinful desires, that old part of you that was attached to this world, that has been crucified along with all of your sins, which is to say that you are free. Free not to just turn from those things, but free to turn to Jesus for real rest, to Jesus for eternal rest. May God bless us as we seek to turn away from these worldly escapes and increasingly more and more to Jesus for the rest that he provides. Amen.